I'm really excited to be here tonight with the only group of Americans with a lower approval rating than I have. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> this is the first time the president attended this dinner in six years. We had a horrible plague, followed by two years of COVID. <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. Um, all right. My name is Loren Ruiz. Welcome to Not a Lawyer podcast, hosted by me, Loren Ruiz, a law graduate who is not a lawyer. Um, in this first episode, what I really wanted to do was just explain to listeners who I am, what my background is, where I come from why I have a podcast, why I've decided to take it upon myself to talk to strangers about politics and the law and um, why you should listen. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. I wrote an outline for the first episode, starting with section one, who I am, and section two, why you should care. So section one starts with where I come from. I was born in Maracaibo, Venezuela, the bustling metropolis, uh, second largest city in the country, and moved to the United States to the uh, inglorious state of Utah when I was um, four months old. And at that wise old age, I was able to retain all of my cultural heritage and not have any uh, diaspora problems. LOL. So, growing up in the suburbs of Utah was a pretty alienating experience as a Venezuelan person. West Jordan, where I live now, is a suburb that's gotten a lot more diversified. It's got, I think, something like 40% of a Latina, Latina population, which is awesome. The part of West Jordan that I'm in doesn't feel very Latina, and the problem with the suburbs here in Utah is that they're very white-dominated, um, white-Mormon-dominated, culturally, conservative as well. So while there's a lot of Latinas, culturally it doesn't feel that way. And a story that I like to share to describe to people what the climate is like in Utah is that in West Jordan there is this taqueria that was always getting boarded up and shut down and then reopened again, and... It was getting reopened, and the folks that opened it up this time decided to paint it over because it was right on a busy corner with graffiti-style murals of indigenous peoples. Um, Azteca iconography. It was beautiful. It made me happy. I loved seeing it. The neighborhood, quote-unquote, entre comillas, right, is um, was not very happy about it. And the white conservative neighbors... Um, statistically presumptively Mormon um, just as far as the statistics of this valley go presumptively Mormon conservatives went and complained to the city council about it and the city council said that it was not in the character of West Jordan to have such an eyesore and demanded the restaurant tear it down uh, or face a fine of some exorbitant amount of thousands of dollars per day that they just weren't going to be able to pay right 
So that's a story I like to share when just explaining how alienating it is growing up in Utah. Um, so that's where I come from. Next up is what I do for fun. For fun, well, well, okay, so the next two sections are going to be what I do for fun and then what I do for serious. So first, what I do for fun. First, I've got outdoor recreation here on my list. Lately, I've been feeling kind of depressed since we've had this pandemic that's killed a million people, and um, I've also lost close loved ones in recent years anyway, so I think other folks can probably relate to being in a funk. So what I technically do for fun isn't necessarily what I do all the time. These are my aspirational fun activities. Um, Outdoor recreation, in the past, my favorite sport has been skiing. It is very fun. It is awesome. It's beautiful. It's the best. I haven't skied in years, man. (laughs) It's been a long time. I used to work at the ski resorts, and so I would ski quite a lot every season, but it's been a while. Um, Really haven't skied much since I went to law school in 2018. Um, Crafting. I dig crafting. I like making beads with my hands. I like making mobiles. I like... um, Paper crafts, cutting layers of paper. Yeah, making stuff with my hands is awesome. Gardening. Lately, I've got one's not on the list, but lately I've gotten into gardening, and that's been lovely. Um, song is next on the list. I am a singer. I like singing. I'm actually a really good singer, so we can go ahead and move on from that. Now, what I do for serious is law first I am a law graduate so I studied law for three years at the University of Arizona Tucson was a cool place to live I I really enjoyed the uh, humanitarian activism along the border Um, it's the borderlands so no more deaths was there you can go do water drops if you wanted to which I did sometimes there the programming was very conservative which is to be expected in law but not really to be expected in like a liberal ass town like Tucson but yeah very conservative culture I, I found professors that I clicked with, though. Um, shout out Jason Craig, the uh, criminal law and policy director. He taught us about wrongful convictions. He was wrongful convictions attorney, and that shit fires me the fuck up! If I could do wrongful convictions for a living, oh my god. I, I really can't, like, think of any more worthy endeavor as far as, like, the law goes. I mean, the shit that I learned in wrongful convictions was fucking insane dude like the amount of pseudoscience and just like bad bad tests that are relied on to get innocent people incarcerated because of like racist pretexts is like high that happens a lot you know statistically we've killed innocent people as far as those numbers go and that shit is just really should shake anybody up and it's shit that shook me up um i have a background in community organizing for migrants rights um when i was an undergraduate And that is something that really has informed my perspective and has given me a critical perspective going into law school. So I've definitely always had, when I went into law school, I had ideas about the ways that the laws are already failing migrant communities, indigenous communities, black communities, um, ready to tear it all down, right? And so that background really helped orient me in my studies. I ended up studying um, American Indian law, criminal law, and immigration law. I got certifications in those three things. Um, I participated in a, in a moot court um, competition, which was uh, modeled after the Inter-American Court of Human Rights. Really cool shit because that was a, a, a question based on migration policies. We were seeing the 
migrant caravan um, happening around that time. And so in response to that, the human rights moot court put together this hypothetical question of like, well, what would happen if there was this imperialist nation, the U.S., (laughs) that failed migrants coming in like large numbers at a large, you know, all in a short amount of time. And it was our task to break down all the human rights laws that were broken. And it was really cool. It was a Pan-American competition. So we ended up flying out to D.C. to do the competition. And it was mostly people from Latin America, um, other countries. Uh, Really, really cool experience. Um, And all that shit informed my analysis, right? Um, So apart from the organizing background that I have in migrant rights and like lobbying for immigration reform which eventually turned into uh, more of a radical um uh climate justice um direct action sort of like take on activism um and that all became intersectional i guess you could say i started seeing things in terms of when you start talking about climate justice it becomes a conversation around racial justice no matter what um i remember when i first started going into those kinds of conversations i would tell my friend um, oh i just when I picture, like, environmental activists, I think of, like, Greenpeace white dudes chaining themselves to pe- buckets of paint that they throw on celebrities because they don't know migrants, so they would rather protest for dogs than humanize their neighbors. You know what I mean? And <laughs> my friend, you know, told me, oh, I, I feel you, you know, like, that's the difference. Um, when you talk about climate justice, you are talking about the fact that it's disproportionately impacting communities of color, black communities, indigenous communities. Um, when we talk about uranium pollution, we're talking about indigenous communities. Um, when we talk about air pollution and uh, lung diseases, we're talking about Latinx communities in Rose Park, for example, here in Salt Lake. So that's where I come from. That these are the things that I think about um, when I do th- when I do things like read cases and hear watch the news and hear Joe Biden spout bullshit. Um, and like, that's why I'm starting this podcast. Um, the third thing that I put on the list of what I do for series is film. Um, it's something that I took very seriously for a long time when I was, uh, in high school and early college. Um, I went to Spy Hot Productions, took several intensive film classes there and made documentaries. And that was really what instilled my passion for advocacy, I think, um, was studying documentary because it's really often used as a tool for, um, uplifting, historically silenced voices I think there's a lot of that um energy in documentary I I really and I think it's a medium that has a unique opportunity to tell stories in a way that's like really impactful and can connect larger dots um anyway I have a lot I could say about film but it's something that I put a lot of energy and work towards for a long time and that I'm trying to loop back to now that I've finished my legal studies So the last bullet here on who I am, we've talked about where I come from, what I do for fun, what I do for serious, and last but not least, we have why I'm not a lawyer. (laughs) Bullet point number one is called personal problems. I have been struggling with grief. It's been hard. I, uh faced a lot of hurdles in my bar application. I, the first application I did was wrong. Um, well, there was a lot of problems. I think this is a space to talk about that. Okay. So (laughs) graduate May, 2020, um, pandemic, boom. I am 
living in a conservative state called Arizona that is acting like the pandemic doesn't actually exist, even though it's killing people in its first wave. First wave, everyone's freaking out. Shit's shutting down. People are scared. Folks fucking flying back home from other states that they had gentrified, right? Um, Trying to find some sense of normalcy. Um, Me included, right? I wanted to stay in Arizona. I loved Arizona. But with the pandemic, I was fucking scared. I was like, what am I going to do? Get a job at a bar? I I was going to get a job at a bar. I I had a job lined up. Um, but then everything shut down with the pandemic and uh, chillingly my friend who had gotten me the job ended up getting COVID pretty shortly after that bar opened um, because by the time it did open I had ended up coming back to Utah by that point um, so there was just a million hiccups in my bar applications um, not no, not only am I in this tumultuous griefy mind state but I'm graduating in a pandemic so w- what a disaster you know and and then um Arizona was saying things like, well, well, our law graduates are going to be able to be lawyers anyway because the governor said so. And so I'm applying to all these public defender offices and getting all these replies back like, sorry, you're not barred. You're fucked. <laughs> and I'm like texting back like, but but I thought the governor and no reply, right? Like who gives a shit what the governor says? It's the office that tells you if they're going to hire you or not. And if they don't want to, they're not going to. So <laughs> I was not hired um, under the governor's exception here in Arizona. Um, turned out Utah had a governor's exception as well, but I found out about it literally days after the deadline. It was maybe two, three days after the deadline when I found out. And, um, that was pretty devastating. I remember contacting the bar association and, oh, sorry, that's the Utah Supreme Court who does that. Great. So yeah, my story of not getting barred, I think if if we were to put it into a, into a short sentence would be a story of institutional rigidity that hampered my ability to exercise law Uh, because yeah I mean I'm not faultless my first application here in uh, in Utah well well okay rewind I'm not faultless I graduated in Arizona didn't want to take the exam in Arizona because um the pandemic and the thing about Arizona was that they decided to have it in person they were like we don't really care about these numbers or the fact that like our cities are literally shutting down and stuff we're gonna have it in person because we want to but we're gonna have masks i guess um and we're gonna require people to sign a thing that says that they quarantined in a hotel for two weeks before um taking the test well that's already not accessible for me right because i don't come from money i come from a fucking like middle class family now working class growing up and like that's not something that I could do. I was I was already in Utah. I wasn't going to be able to fly back from Utah to Arizona, quarantine in a hotel for what, two weeks? I mean, I asked my friend at the time, I remember, and she was freaking out about the pandemic too, you know, and was like, I don't know if I feel safe with you crashing with me after like being in a plane, you know, like there was no vaccines. Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's panicked. Um, and nobody knows what's going to happen. And so I, what was I going to do? Drive all the way to the hell down there? I'm not, eh, it's not exactly like quarantining, right? Like I'm going into gas stations in other states and stuff. Like I'm driving around people taking road trips get COVID. I've known people who've gotten COVID from taking road trips, you know? And so that became inaccessible to me. Lost that money. Picture of fucking sack of cash lighting up in a, in a fucking flames. No picture when the Joker has that tower of money and then he lights it on fire and slides down. That's what happened. So I ended up paying more money again. It's just for context, it's about $700 to apply for the bar in Utah with laptop fees and bullshit and everything. It's about that much. So why don't we just round up to (laughs) $1,000? Paid $1,000 to Arizona, paid $1,000 to Utah. I put together this um, uh, packet. Lo and behold, 
not in the mindset at all for it. Totally, total emotional mess. For all these reasons, I, I lost um, best friends my last semester of law school, um, many of them, in a tragic accident. They drove back home and, and all died, and I was a wreck when it came to taking this bar exam. Something about it triggered all that shit. You know, I've got mad emotional baggage taking the bar is basically the long story short. And I was hella triggered as fuck during that process and was not doing well. And I was very overwhelmed. I was fucking having anxiety attacks, crying. I was, it was bad. It was, I just, it was bad. And I was very eager to be done with the process. And it's a very tedious process. It's a very lengthy process. They ask you for a lot of duplicative things. Um, list on the form this a b and c and then later you're going to list it on this part of the form and it's going to be y x and z and then later you're going to upload in in this separate website like it's just it's all this shit i mean it's a separate part of the website let's give them some slack it's a clunky website it's a clunky system it's designed with an ulterior purpose in mind they would say it's designed to uphold the integrity of the legal profession oh and to be able to make sure that you're capable of submitting complex and tedious paperwork on a deadline not really effective at gauging whether or not I'm capable of doing that because me actually taking part in an immigration clinic and writing a brief for a client you know and like doing that shit on a deadline you know with somebody's life on the line and I'm like doing passion work that's important to me like it's very different than my ability to um you know put these all these very tedious detailed documents together in a duplicative manner and in just the right duplicative manner so we want you we're going to want a background check from these people but then we're also going to want a background check from these people sure they're saying the same things but you must upload them both and and these all cost money right so you know you're getting a background check from here and they're charging money to ching and you're you know getting back ground check from there and they're charging money to ching this whole process is only problematic for somebody with a checkered background like me i have a criminal record of nonviolent things like stealing and graffiti and what was the other one there's just thing dui things that are not uncommon and that let's be frank are not uncommon for lawyers um that things these are things that lawyers have do all the time and have done people with way worse records than me become lawyers it's not it's not prohibitory my background record is nowhere near as bad as it would need to be to prohibit me from practicing law okay so let's get that straight now so I submitted a bad application. I was in a bad headspace and I submitted a bad app. Um, I didn't. I missed a bunch of shit. There was a bunch of things I forgot. There was holes. There was the problems. And in the end, it was my fault, you know, because I was stressed out and I didn't get my shit together. I wasn't able to get my shit together. I didn't have the capacity at that time. Um, and so I, I, uh, I, I missed an email from the bar association. How crazy is that? I mean, crazy for me because it was a big, kind of a, kind of a big deal to keep an eye out for that email, seeing as how it's my entire career is on the line and like thousands of dollars, you know? Um, so this is kind of, kind of important, but I missed it. Um, just, you know, funked out in the head, stressing, not okay. <laughs> Depression, all, all the things. Um, and, uh, undiagnosed ADHD. I got diagnosed with ADHD as an adult here in the pandemic. I'm 30 years old that was eye-opening um so i missed an email and the email said you are going to be called into an informal hearing with the committee i knew this was going to happen when i was in law school i would attend lectures and meetings and shit and and about what the meeting with the bar is like if you have a criminal history you know you're going to have a meeting you know you're going to get called in and so a bunch of kids with criminal records went to the lectures and would ask questions about what that process was like 
I was expecting that email, <laughs> but I missed it. And the email came and went, the date came and went, and then I got another email saying, oh, you've been denied bar admission. I think it was even worse than that. I think I emailed the lady and was like, so uh, why haven't I gotten a confirmation email yet? And she was like, did you not get your rejection email on the 12th? And then I went back and was like, oh, there it is. What the fuck? You know, it was just terrible. I, I, I was at this job where, like, they created this position for me, this clerk graduate position, just, like, out of the blue, just to try and, like, give me time to make some money until I get to take the bar. And they, they it all went to hell because I wasn't able to take the goddamn thing. And so I went back to work, back to extending this, like, non-existent position. So now I'm, like, in, do in deep water with them. Um, because, yeah, it got worse than that. They, oh, okay, they let me take the exam again the next uh, time. Notice that every time I jump from one bar exam to another we're talking six months right so this is time time i'm losing time i'm not making money time i'm not establishing my career or whatever really not doing wonders for my mental health but that being said i'm doing a little better hence you know starting projects like this um yeah so the bar problems so many bar problems yeah the second time i was not really in a good mind state again because of personal shit happening in my family that was pretty distressing because of the bar committee giving me a lot of crap they were um they would they were calling me in and, and it was sort of this thing where it was like hey guys is it is it's just december 2nd i was just wondering if like i should keep checking my email neurotically every single day or if i should like wait until next year sorry we can't really give you an answer to that question you're just gonna have to keep waiting and then next year they're like so you have a hearing in T minus 72 hours. <laughs> They're like, literally, it's like, it's, it's like, I'm not like, yeah, like that's what it is. It's like, okay, so in three days, thank you guys for that. So it's like, the stakes are high. You really can't allow yourself to be a mental wreck who hates emails. That's not possible. What kind of a mental wreck who hates emails can be an attorney? They would bark back at me. And I would say, look at literally every fucking attorney that I've ever worked with. <laughs> Enter every attorney in the world um <laughs> it's the mental wreck who hates emails um anyway that's the process though they just they blame all this shit on you and you gotta advocate for yourself in the right language and in the right way to show them that you are deferential to authority that's what they want to say they want to see somebody who's willing to be respectful to a judge you know they don't want some angry lawyer who's gonna be like well you know what judge you're a dick, you know, and they, they see themselves as that level of authority, and that's what, I, yeah, I find a little bit laughable, but we don't have to go there, there's people who were nice to me there, too, they, you know, they weren't all bad at the Bar Association, regardless, I had a bad time, um, how do I describe it, so, when I got rejected, man, I had been studying for the Bar, I had been taking five weeks off work, I had been studying full-time, and I was already overextended, exhausted, burnt out, all this shit, right? But I was doing it. I was cranking it out. And I got to a point where I was like, hey, dad, you know, five weeks into this eight-week study regimen, I really feel like I'm going to fucking pass this exam. These next three weeks is pretty much just review, chilling. And then I got the email, right? You cannot take the goddamn exam. That was fucked up. I, when I look back on that, man, from July of last year, to December, I could have blinked and it would have gone by. It was like, I felt like I was in a music video. It was like, if y'all watch Euphoria, where Zendaya talks about how when you're depressed, it's like you fucking get up and you don't even know what day it is and the whole thing just drags by and you blink and you're back in bed and it's just a fucking hellish cycle. Like, that's, that's no joke. 
that's kind of how it works when you're in a bad space. Um, so that was not, that was bad for me. Um, and I, I managed to dig myself. I was lucky enough to have a work that, place that didn't fire me. They kept me on. Um, but nonetheless, fast forward to January. And I'm over here being, hmm, I don't want to say being blown off by the bar, feeling blown off by the bar. Um, not even knowing if I can practice. I had this hearing with them where they interrogated me over all kinds of crap, made me feel like garbage, like I wasn't worthy of being an attorney over like being five minutes late to a sushi restaurant where all the managers told us we were allowed to be five minutes late. Like, I'm not joking. It was a very punitive process. It was very stressful. Whatever. They interrogated me and stuff. Okay, thank you so much. Tomorrow you'll get your results. Tomorrow I call in. Hey there, so uh, can I get my results so I can start studying already and not feel like I'm going to waste all my time, you know? Actually, no. They're going to want more things from you because they're still not convinced that you're worthy of being an attorney. After all, that sushi incident was a really big deal. I wish I was kidding. So... (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was it was a lot, and, and and mainly what I was scared of was spiraling again. I had gotten to a point where you know I, I like I just said it was Jan it was July to December. Fast forward to January, I'm barely getting out of this hole. I'm really trying to find my motivation again, find you know find my passion again. My you just get just just fucking do this shit, you know. The thought of investing my time and energy again, extend overextending myself again and seeing the results of what that has done to me and my body. I developed chronic illnesses in law school. I came out of that shit with fibromyalgia before turning 30. Like, it's no joke, the shit, like the mental anguish and pressure that they put you through. It's no joke, the impacts that it has on your body. Like, it's bad. So, I'm over here, fast forward to January. And I don't want to do that to myself again. I don't want to, I don't want to spiral again. I don't want to feel that devastation of knowing that I gave so much and that I gave an unhealthy amount of myself to an endeavor that went nowhere. Um, I was looking, I was pouring over my notes in January, I'd forgotten everything. It was like devastating how much I had forgotten. Um, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to study if I didn't even know if I could take the damn exam. I couldn't bring myself to feel that pain again. So I didn't get started until late. I didn't get started until after they told me, oh, okay, finally, yes, yeah, you're going to, you can be able to take the exam. Weeks before, maybe four weeks before, I lost out on half the study period in this, in this uh, uncertainty. Um, and then failed the exam. I wasn't able to get enough studying in. I failed the exam. Um, you know, my boss was basically told me, you're going to get fired if you don't, if you pass, <laughs> you know, if you fail the exam again. Um, cause we can't keep making up this fake job for you. Um, it was hard, but honestly, it wasn't as bad as, as the devastation that I felt last July. So I think what I was protecting myself from was real, you know? Um, so cha-ching, let's throw another thousand dollars at paying for the bar again. I didn't end up paying between the denial and the failure because I was able to beg them to transfer my fee because the initial email telling me that I failed, that I was denied admission and that I couldn't take the exam said, and you are to pay the full fee for next time. Normal rules apply. Thanks. And I had to be like, please guys, I pay the fee. I'm poor. And then, okay, fine. We'll transfer you the fee. Like that's, it's all this song and dance, man. It's like, you gotta fucking grovel for everything. They, they have the ability to make the process so much less rigid and punitive. And it's all very much human driven. Um, and they act like it's not. Anyway, so 
I'm gonna go ahead and take it easy on that. I respect all the lovely people at the bar. They're so they're so great. They're like I said, they're people who were good to me there. Um so it is what it is. It was a shitty process. Things that were uh, within and outside my control were at play and I fucking failed. So um here I am, ready to take the bar exam again. And by ready I mean commencing the process of studying again I came pretty close I failed by a point ha! so hopefully with a little bit more of a push I'll pass the goddamn thing this time and this will all be like a like a far-off nightmare like a bad dream um, and it'll be over so that was definitely the longest section was my bar problems bullet but hence why I'm not a lawyer personal problems pandemic problems and bar problems um that being said i've been i've been doing legal research in the meantime that's the job i'm at right now so still in the law not working at i was gonna say like not working at dairy queen like for the past like <laughs> three years but i guess it's also like and so what if i was like what if i was working at dairy queen doesn't mean i'm not a law graduate doesn't mean i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about as far as the law goes but that being said I have been working within the law, so for anybody who has any doubts as to whether or not they give a damn about what I have to say, there's that. Part two. Why care? Why why should you care about me? Well, how about this? I talk a lot of shit. I have a lot of shit to say, and it doesn't come from nothing. It actually comes from the fact that I studied this shit, and I know what I'm talking about more than most people who chime in about this stuff. Not a lawyer podcast leftist critique of law and politics from a queer migrant perspective which is mine from my perspective so thanks for listening this first episode was a little different next episode i'm gonna be talking about law and politics there's a lot of really fucked up shit happening right now so plenty to talk about we will see you then